Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Terrence Wilson, lead pastor of Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. If you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke. Oh, man. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, third book of the New Testament, the last of the synoptic gospels. Synoptic means seeing is same, seeing is similar. It's okay. Miss Padriga, she all right? If she wants to sit there, let her sit there. Let her sit there. If she wants to sit there, let her sit there. She tired, let her sit there. The Bible says, come all ye who are tired and burden the heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's okay. Hanai, you go ahead, sit right next to her. Let that, let that sister, just, you know what? You stay right there. You stay right there, sister. And when you're ready, the seat is right there for you, but you, whatever you need, man, I'll never forget. I was, I was, I was 17 years old, right before I went off to college, Holy Ghost hit me so hard one time in the sermon. I was laid out here. Nobody touched me. Message was going on the whole time. I was laid. I was gone. I woke up. I was like, where everybody at? Sometimes when the spirit, you just got to just let people rest in that, man. I, I, I know we want to be like so quick to get to the next thing, but man, God's dealing with her. So let God deal with her. Amen. She getting something that my word ain't going to give her. She getting something that only the word of God can give her. It's all right, sis. But I love our family because we're always trying to take care of people. I love that. Don't ever stop that. But Spirit of the Lord's with me. He told me she got something she got to get right there. Some of y'all quick to move on from a spot when God's like, no, I need you to stay right here. I'm not done with you yet. Y'all be so quick to move on from God and he's not done, move, he's not done moving in you. Okay. We're going to get this word today. If you got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. And I want you to put your finger on Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Luke 10, 1 through 3, and then Matthew 5, verse 10. We're going into a series for the next seven weeks called Among the Wolves. Among the Wolves. I know some of y'all have been seeing it. like, what is that about? My wife preached a brilliant message last week. Y'all give it up for Pastor Joe. And the name of the message was, was among the, it was called Sheep Among Wolves. And she broke down, I'm not going to break down what we just, what we're about to read in Luke, because she already did that eloquently. I don't need to do that again. But it was such a spark. I knew I wanted to preach a series on discipleship um, following the All In series. And when she preached that message, God started just giving me a bunch of stuff. So I'm, it's literally like the continuation. It's, honestly, it's like All In Part 2. But we're calling it Among the Wolves, and this is solely about discipleship. I know some people already got thought, it's February. I was waiting on that relationship series. I wanted pastor to tell me how to get a Boaz. No. I'm not going to tell you that. You're going to wind up with a broke if, um, if the first relationship priority is not Jesus. So this ain't a typical relationship series where we teach you how to have relationships with people, that, that will come. This is to teach you how to have a deeper relationship as a disciple of Jesus. Somebody say, disciples, go deeper. I don't want no, we don't want no surface level folk. I don't want to be a surface level Christian for the rest of my life. The whole part of Christianity is to grow. You come as you are, but you don't stay that way. How many of y'all want a deeper relationship with Christ? I'm the pastor. I got my hand up. Deeper. That's what the Ugly Bible Club is about. <laughs> Get your highlighters. Make your Bible. Leo, hold it. Let me see it. Let me see it. Look, he, old, he, he got a big old highlighter, a big old Bible. Today, he trying to be all cool. He trying to keep up with the young folk like me, so he brought his phone. But he got a big old Bible and a big old highlighter. I know it. Look, look. I see you, man. The biggest Bible in the room. I see it. If you got a big Bible and you know it, make some noise. I see you, Miss Claudette. Miss Claudette, I love you. She got, she got her Bible on and she got the desk open. I'm ready. I, she got a notebook. She got a phone. She got it all. You can do the notes on the Cool Church app, but how many of you know, man, it's something else when you write your own notes down in your notebook. 
So, yeah, make sure you're part of the Ugly Bible Club. Y'all see, look, y'all see the mark. Get, get the mark, all that fun stuff. All right, that's good. Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. Read something like this. After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him in every town. Quick note, just, just so for the Bible scholars in the room, some versions of this or some translations say 70, some say 72. No one actually knows what the number is. So some of y'all might have like a King James and it says 70. Some of you might have an MIV and it's NIV and it says 72. I just want you to know, I didn't make a mistake. No one actually knows whether it was 70 or 72. What's more important is that it was an even number because that means that there was accountability to everybody that Jesus sent out. He never sent anybody by himself. Amen? Some believe it was either 70 or 72 also to mimic or um, to, to, to speak to the number of elders that were in the wilderness with Moses. But once again, nobody knows the exact number. So just in case, I didn't read it wrong. Your translation may read a little bit differently, but they're still trying to figure that one out. Amen? Okay. He says, after the Lord imported to 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send our workers into his harvest field. Go! I had to say it like that because I had an exclamation point. Go! I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Amen? Matthew 5, uh, that's not where you say, yeah, I know it's not exciting. It's like, what? Okay. Matthew 5, 10. And this is going to talk about our first discipleship principle. Matthew 5, 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So in this brand new series that we're going to lean into for the next seven weeks, called Among the Wolves, the first discipleship principle is called loyalty. Loyalty. In the words of Rihanna and Kendrick Lamar, loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. <sighs> Y'all ain't saved. Just kidding. You just like me. A sinner saved by grace. Loyalty. We're going to talk about it. And if you want to dig deeper into what I'm saying today, on Wednesdays, we have our eight-week discipleship course. We started it last Wednesday. It's taught by Yari and myself. Y'all give it up to Yari. 47 people came to the first class. Now, I'm not going to ever do this again, but I'm going to allow it this one time. If you say, man, I really want to be in that discipleship class for next. Because, like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to preach I'm going to preach this stuff, but we're going to teach on a deeper level on the Wednesday each and every one of these principles. If you want to be a part of that discipleship class, if you don't join this week, you have to wait until the next session. That'll be in May, okay? So you still have an opportunity. You can go outside to the courtyard. You can sign up today. I'll allow it. But after this, once you start, you got to finish. Amen? Amen. I encourage everybody, if you've been to Cool Church for three years or you just came here today, join the discipleship class. It's a good next step on your faith walk. So we're going to talk about discipleship principle number one, loyalty. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad that God, I thank you. That before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be here today. God, I pray that you open hearts, minds, and ears to be receptive and open to a message that will always be about Jesus. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own. Let them come from your throne of grace. I am not enough unless you come. So God, you are here. And I pray that somebody understands the power of loyalty. And I pray that by the time it's all said and done, somebody meets Jesus. I pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, take a moment and give Jesus a shout of praise. new series among the wolves is really all about discipleship principles taught by Jesus I have a few mentors in my life and one of my mentors asked me what is your objective in 2022 
If you have not had one human ask you what you want to accomplish in, t- in this year, you need mentors in your life. Mm-hmm. Said, what do you want to accomplish? I said, man, I just want people to be disciples, man. Like disciples of Jesus. It's cool having a nice crowd. This is a nice crowd. But I need a crowd to turn into disciples because once they become disciples, they won't rely on me to feed them. They're following me right now, but I pray they only follow me as as I follow Jesus. And somebody reminded me of something that I said a very long time ago. I used to always tell, I was a youth pastor first, so I used to always tell my kids, I used to say, follow me as I follow after Christ. But the moment you see me not following after Christ, do not follow me. Because I never wanted to take the attention and the focus off of Jesus. At the end of the day, my job is to make Jesus popular in spite of how unpopular it may make me. That's my job. So I would say the same thing to you that I said to my kids a long time ago. Follow me as I follow after Christ, but if you ever heed my words, If you see that I am doing things that do not align with what this book says, you need to find somebody that does. I love you enough. I love you enough to want you to keep your eyes on Jesus. I don't need disciples of Terrence. I I didn't save the world. I can't save the world. And I definitely haven't died for anyone. And I don't plan on it. I, I need you to be disciples of Jesus. So when he asked me, like, okay, you want disciples? So he said, you want disciples? He said, what's a disciple? And I said, hmm, what's a disciple? And I began to think of all these characteristics. I was like, well, Jesus said this, and Jesus said that. Jesus said this. He said, okay, so you're clearly trying to make disciples of Jesus. Why don't you find some things that Jesus said that you want people to follow in so that they follow after Jesus and not after you? I said, perfect. And we began to come up and develop this this curriculum of cool church that you won't find anywhere else. You'll find it in God's word, but we've developed our own specific curriculum to develop people from first-time salvation, first-time faith-filled believers to act actual disciples because Jesus told his disciples to go out into the world and make what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I want to fulfill that great commission and I don't want you to just be church attenders. I don't want you to just be visitors. I want you to be disciples. Not disciples of me, not disciples of cool, but disciples of Jesus. Jesus in creating disciples, he's very truthful. And he says things like, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few because he knows everybody will not do what is required to be a disciple. I love that my wife brought even new context to that verse, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. She said that the workers are few because they are distinguished. They are set apart. It's not that there's just a lack of workers, but the workers are special. The workers are chosen. This is a beautiful thing. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, you need to walk with your chin up and your shoulders back and say, I am chosen. Look at your neighbor say, I am chosen. Look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like so much because you picked them second. And say, I am chosen. Discipleship is hard, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Truth is, to be a disciple You can't be a good disciple until you are first a good sheep. (laughs) Jesus will never send you out like sheep amongst wolves without preparing you. I want you to understand that because I I know it sounds real cruel. I'm sending you like sheep amongst wolves. You sending me out to the slaughter? No. Jesus is not asking you to die for him. He already died for you. He needs you to live for him. So he says, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. And sheep get a bad rap. My wife, uh, she told me a bunch of facts about sheep and it made me laugh. I'm like, yo, sheep really do get a tip. Like people are like, sheep are dumb. No, they're not. 
Sheep are actually like highly intelligent animals. There's a few things I found out about sheep. Let me give you some fun facts about sheep so you don't look down on yourself when Jesus says you are a sheep among wolves. You know lambs walk minutes after they're born? You know what that tells me? Lambs ain't got no time to play around. They got to hit the ground running. As a disciple, you ain't got no time to be standing still. You're strong enough to come out the gate walking. As a matter of fact, you're strong enough to come out the gate running after the gospel that Jesus Christ died for. God ain't just like prepare you as a lamb to like sit there after you got born again. He made your legs strong enough to start walking and running after him. I love that. Look what else. I love this. Sheep. Oh, this is so good can recognize up to 50 other sheep's faces and remember them for over two years. They can recognize other sheep. Like if we looked at a room full of sheep, we wouldn't be able to tell them apart. But sheep could look at another sheep and be like, hey, Bobby. Sarah, I see you, girl. It's been two years, but I still remember. Sheep can recognize other sheep. You know why? Sheep have discernment. gosh Jesus I want you to be a sheep because I want you to be able to recognize my people from people that are against you I want you to be able to call a spade a spade yeah I want you to be able to look at somebody like that don't look like the sheep I know sheep got this oh oh I love sheep man sheep are good because listen listen to this sheep a sheep is, is much likely less to show obvious signs of pain like a domestic dog. Like I got a dog, his name is Tupac, he's a bully. If you see him, you'll be terrified of him. But if you run up to him and, and, and maybe you step on his foot, you'll be like, ah! <laughs> he is the biggest baby on the planet. And if he is hurting, he lets you know that he is hurting. Not sheep. A sheep is much less likely to show obvious signs of pains than a domestic dog. This is believed to be the case because signs of weakness attract predators and sheep are a species that is preyed upon. What does that tell me about sheep? Sheep are tough. I'm so glad to be a sheep. Sheep got some intestinal fortitude. Sheep don't cry about every little thing that happened to them. Sheep are fortified because we don't want to alert the enemy that we are prey. Sheep are tough. We know how to take it. You see believers going through stuff and you never know they're going through stuff because they just praise and do it. They just worship and do it. Sheep are tough. I love this. Listen to this. This is real. Science tells us sheep build friendships. They stick up for one another in fights. Like, could you imagine? Like a sheep sticking up for another sheep? They see a bully sheep, they're like, you think you bad? I've been waiting to say that all week. You better not mess with my heart. Okay, let me stop. each other. Isn't that what church is about? Yeah. Yeah. We a family. We a community. We got to look out for Man, hey, don't, don't let me see you messing with my brother and sister. Period. Yeah. Period, comma, exclamation point, question mark, apostrophe. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> don't let me see you messing with my people because we sheep. Yeah. And sheep look out for other sheep. Yeah. I, w I wish you would. Back up, homie. <laughs> They say they, 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 the sheep are such a community, they feel bad when they see another sheep go to the slaughter. Like sheep have emotions. You care about one another, man. Don't see your brother and sister hurting and that. That's why I loved it. when my sister was over here, she was, she was going through stuff, she was finding her free. I love that. Cool church people, swoop in. We care. We care about people. I love that. Look at this. Sheep have excellent peripheral vision. They have large rectangular pupils. It allows them to see almost 360 degrees. Sheep can literally not turn their head and see behind themselves. 
That's amazing. What's that tell me? Sheep don't just know how to watch their own back. They can watch the backs of their brothers and sisters. Yeah. Yeah. We got each other backs. Yeah. If, if I see you slipping, I'd be like, back up, homie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come back to us. <laughs> I could do this all day. <laughs> Sheep look out. They look out because they know the wolves are coming. They're watching. But do you know what the best one? This is the one that, that I love the most. It says, sheep don't just recognize sheep faces. Sheep recognize human faces. They don't just recognize human faces. They recognize human voices. What does that mean? Sheep know their shepherd. You ever wonder why we're called sheep? Because we're supposed to know the shepherd. This is why John 10, 14 through 15 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and, doesn't just say I know my sheep. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Yeah. My sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for my sheep. This is the word of the good shepherd Jesus to all of us who claim to be sheep, claim to be his disciples. I'm okay with being a sheep knowing that the good shepherd is with me. Human beings can learn a lot from sheep. See, being a sheep or a disciple is not a call for the faint of heart because if you desire to be a sheep, no, trouble is always lurking. But the shepherd is always near. The shepherd is always there. If you want to be a true disciple of Jesus, you are called, get this now, I told you all these good things about sheep, but this one ain't so good. If you're a sheep, you are called to live among the wolves. You got to live there. When you become a sheep, don't get surprised when you get attacked by the wolves. I'm going to read Matthew 5, 10 again, but I'm going to read the message um, um, version of it because it's going to give us a clearer picture and I'll break it down and we'll get out of here. But Matthew 5.10 and the message says, get this, highlight this, write this down. You are blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. Wow. Listen, the persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. You are blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution, the persecution drives you into deeper, even deeper into God's kingdom. I love the message version because it's telling you that your commitment or your loyalty to God is going to provoke persecution, but it will also drive you deeper into the kingdom of heaven. Being loyal to God, just get ready for it. It's going to cause people to test you. It's going to cause people to try you. But it will also help you cement your place in heaven. Amen. The very word loyalty, the denotation of the word means giving or showing firm and constant support or allegiance to a person or an institution. Loyalty is strong support or allegiance. And today, I want to talk about what being a loyal disciple of Jesus will do for you. And the first thing is this. You ready for it? Loyalty attracts the wolves. Loyalty attracts the wolves. Look at what it says, Matthew 5, 10. I'm going to just read the first part. You are blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. It didn't just say you are blessed when your commitment to God um, and you casually see persecution happen. It doesn't say you are blessed uh, when you're in your commitment to God and random things occur. It says you are blessed when your commitment or your loyalty to God provokes persecution, provokes it. As a disciple, you should never be mad when you get persecuted because you brought it on yourself. Y'all ain't want to hear that this morning. I want to hear more freedom. I want to hear more worship. No. When you are a disciple of God, don't ever get mad when the hard times come. You provoked it. Your choice provoked your persecution. You're choosing to be a disciple 
literally was the catalyst to the current circumstance you're in. You chose it. Don't be mad at it. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Stephen. Read in the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the actions of the Apostles. What happened is the, the, the original 11 Apostles, obviously one was gone, his name was Judas, we know what happened to him, but the other 11, they went on, they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, they began to teach. Peter's first sermon, he preached 3,000 people get saved. It's amazing, they were speaking in tongues, man, they had the power of the Holy Ghost, it was awesome, but man, the work for the original 11 began to get really tough. So, they said, you know what, we gonna develop some, some other uh, apostles, some other disciples, because at the time, the other thing that they were doing, the Bible says that they all gave everything they had and there was no needy among them. The reason that they did this is because people came from all over uh, the world to celebrate uh, the feast days. But what happened is when Peter preached that message, a bunch of people got saved that were not from the place that they were in. And they didn't get home. They got so much of Jesus that they said, man, we ain't leaving here. We want to stay and be a part of this movement. So what the apostles did, they pulled all the resources together and they took care of all those people because all those people had to eat. All those people had to have somewhere to stay, and they literally pulled their resources so that they could all survive. But what happened was some people were not getting fed because there were not enough apostles to feed people. And the apostles said, man, we got to preach Jesus and feed people. We need more disciples so that we can do the work of preaching and teaching and spreading God's word while other people care for the people. And they found, they, they found seven more People of God in good stature and favor, filled with the Holy Spirit. One of them was a man named Stephen. Stephen stood out. Stephen is known as the first Christian martyr, okay, because Stephen literally gave his life in service for Jesus Christ. Now, before Stephen loses his life, the Bible says that he's filled with wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit. It says everywhere Stephen went, he was performing miracles, man. People were getting healed. All kinds of crazy stuff was happening. Guess what? The religious writer today, the they didn't like it because Stephen was taking attention away from them. He was taking the shine away from them. So the Sanhedrin or the religious rite of the day, they, they, they had him arrested and brought in. And when Stephen gets in front of these people, Stephen didn't care about nobody. Stephen was, was savage. Like Stephen, he was gonna say what was on his mind and you weren't gonna stop him. He begins to talk about the coming of Jesus dating all the way back to his ancestor Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the forefathers of the faith. He takes them through all of that. He gives, he gives people that would have studied history and known it better than him, he gives them a history of Jesus. From Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, he gets to Moses, talks about how Moses gets them out of Egypt, talks about them being in the wilderness, and then he starts to, he starts to try them. He's like, yeah, all these prophets that came before that I'm talking about, he says, no wonder y'all killed Jesus because y'all killed all the prophets that came before him. He started trying them right in their face. It was, it was, it was pretty wild. And then look, I'm going to just read, like this is, this is what we call a read uh, over 2,000 years ago right here. Some of y'all be reading people. This was Stephen's read to the, to the Sanhedrin. Listen, Acts 7, 51 through 54. You stiff-necked people. He, 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 he's coming in hot. You stiff-necked people. Your, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. That was like saying your mama back in the day. Your mama, that's what Stephen said. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your stinking ancestors. I had a stinking in there because it sounds like You are just like your stinking ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. These are exclamation points. It's not fucking good. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed. Like, y'all hypocrites, man. You know the law, but you don't obey it. Verse 54. Listen. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. It was like, 
Like it's hard, and like you got to be real angry to like gnash your teeth. Like who just does that when they're like? Like who does that? You got to be like real man. Like like it's not even normal. Like it's it's animalistic behavior. You see where I'm going with this? Ah, like the wolves. Cause that's what wolves do when you stiff neck people. Your mama. They become animalistic. They forget all their learning. They forget all the word that they know. And they are, they gnash their teeth. Wolves can't wait to sink their teeth into you. When you're a sheep, the wolves can't wait to sink their teeth into you. Because you know why? Because you read your Bible every morning, that's attractive to a wolf. It's agitating. You praying blessings over your family, it's attracting the wolves. You come into church, every, you've been at church for five Sundays in a row, oh, them, them wolves want to sink their teeth into you. You, you, you serving on team and, and you in a connect? The wolves coming for you. You you bringing your tithe to the storehouse, but you said that's not enough. I want to give over and above. You attracting wolves. You live in a life where you say I'm not going to compromise my faith anymore. You attracting the wolves. Why? Because loyalty to God provokes persecution. I'll say it again. Because I, I'm telling you the truth about this because I want you to know what you're getting into. I promise you there's light at the end of the tunnel. I promise you like there's, there's a good thing that comes of all this. But loyalty to God will literally provoke persecution. It's why when you've been loyal at your job forever, no matter what the job is, the wolves want to tear you down. Like... The haters will try to make your job not seem like a big deal. And they'll, they'll talk bad about the boss and the management. And they'll try to get you into that water cooler gossip too. You know why? Because the wolves want you to stay at the same level that they're at. They don't want you to get a promotion. And when you do get a promotion, the people that call themselves friends, they mad at you. Oh, so you think you wanted them now? No, I'm a sheep. Wolf. It's... It's why when you're loyal in your marriage, the wolves want a piece of you. Like nobody was studying you until somebody else wanted you. Like some of y'all just thought, oh, I lost, I lost weight. That's why they see me now. No, it ain't your weight. It ain't your dress. It ain't your suit. It ain't your cologne. Wolves want what somebody else has. They don't want you, they want the favor on your marriage. He that finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor. Wolves, wolves don't have favor, so they want to take yours. So you go hook up with that side piece if you want to, you giving them exactly what they want. They don't want you, they just want your favor. I can stop preaching right now. I ain't just talking to the fellas. Ladies, that personal trainer's really into you. Them, them stretches y'all doing looking kind of out of order. They don't want me to preach this today. They don't want the y'all. He getting real. Some of y'all got this gonna end up on the shade room. Some of y'all got stretched out by your trainer, and your husband ain't doing that at home. That's why the only gym my wife go to is the gym of Terrence Wilson. I'm monitoring those stretches personally. That was the loudest I ever got some men to cheer in church. It was like, yeah! <laughs> I'm playing, but I'm serious. Mm. 
Like, is that a stretch? Like, for real? Wow. That's provocative. When you're loyal at church, the wolves want to get you alone. You, you don't need that church. You don't need that church to get close to God. You could, man, you, you, could, you could just be spiritual and be with God by yourself. That, that ain't a good, that's not a church, that's a, that's a cult. You know the difference between a church and a cult? A cult is a kingdom, a church is a community that builds the kingdom. This ain't a cult. Because I haven't established a throne. And I don't want worship from you. I want you to direct your worship to him. This is a community that is a part of a kingdom. But the wolves don't want you to be a part of it. Because they see your life changing, why don't you just do it, but you could do it by yourself. You see, I do it by myself. How far has that gotten you? Don't let people throw you off of the good track that you're on because they are jealous of you. Trying to get you to do stuff by yourself that you need a community for. What is church? Accountability. If I'm just out here living on my own and I have no accountability, then I am not a member of church. Jesus knew we needed accountability because none of us are strong enough to do this on our own. Only he was. The wolves are coming. The wolves are coming. Let me tell you something. Here's when you know, and this should excite you. I don't want this to scare you. This should excite you. But you know when you are effective at making the devil mad when you attract wolves. You know, you know why? Because wolves never waste their time attacking their own pack. I might have to say it because I think that went over to the teleprompter so, so somebody ain't. Maybe I'll say it for the people online. <laughs> you, 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 you know when you're effective at making the devil mad because you attract the wolves. Why? Because wolves never waste time attracting members of their own pack. If you were living like one of them, they wouldn't mess with you because you're just like them. I don't want to be a part of the wolf pack. I want to be a sheep. They don't mess with their own kind. They only mess with you because you're different. They mess with you because you're different. See, different scares them. And you may not feel powerful, but in God's kingdom, sheep are the biggest threat to a wolf because the wolf knows wherever there's a sheep, there must be a shepherd. That's why I believe what Psalms 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thine are with me, for thy rod and thy staff comfort me. A rod and a staff may be comfort to me, but they are terrifying to a wolf the rod and the staff correct my course but for the wolf the rod and the staff is punishment for messing with the sheep I don't mind being a sheep and I want the wolves to know I'm a sheep because if they know I'm a sheep they know the shepherd is close by amen last point I'm done I promise is this good is somebody getting from something from this today okay all right trying to preach a little bit so not only does loyalty attract the wolves loyalty keeps your eyes on heaven while the wolves keep their eyes on you Matthew 5:10. you are blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution we got that you being a sheep is gonna provoke the persecution it's gonna provoke the pain it's gonna provoke the hurt it's gonna provoke the trials but the persecution I love this this is, the, this is where we could build our faith right here. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. That's discipleship. I want what I'm going through to be a catalyst that pushes me forward into God's kingdom. I love this because we hear about persecution and so many of us are frustrated by something that God is using to bring you closer to him. You mad at your struggles, but God's saying you need this to be closer to me. 
You mad at the diagnosis from the doctor, but you need that to trust God more. You mad because the money ain't in the bank account the way that you want it, but you need it so that you know that you do not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You mad the relationship broke up, but God had to get you away from that clown so that you could get closer to him. Persecution is necessary to building loyal disciples. How do you know if you're truly loyal if you've never faced opposition? Like, how do you truly know who's loyal to you and you've never been? That's why the Bible says a brother is born in times of what? Adversity. I don't know who my real folks are until we go through something. Like, I love everybody, but everybody ain't my people unless I know I can go through the fire with you and we can come out on the other side. That's why I love my, like, I love my wife. Nobody is more loyal to me in the entire planet than my wife. Like, like I, I, I love her so much. This year will be 15 years of marriage. And she's loved me through a lot. We've been together for over 22 years. I've known her for more than half of my life. I've been with you for longer than I've been without you. Praise God for that. And like my, my wife, she was living out marriage vows like before we ever even got married. I mean, I could, but you know what I said. <laughs> I got to mess with you and I. I love it because even before she said, I, Joanne, take thee, Terrence, to be my wedded husband, to have and to hold from this day forth, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. She already been doing that. She been loyal. You loyal. You smart. You special. You beautiful. But you definitely loyal. Like, she loved me when I was broke and couldn't afford to take her out on a date with the dollar menu. <laughs> she loved me when I couldn't find work. See, I'll be quick to somebody, oh, you loser, you can't find work. Man, just get that dude some time. She loved me when I couldn't find work. She loved me when she had a car and I had a bike and they stole my bike seat and my front tire. Remember that? That's true. I'm like standing up on the bike trying to do a wheelie to ride it. She loved me when my lavish mane fell out and I became bald. Even when she said, I don't know, if you lose him, I don't know if we're going to stay together. She was loyal. She stayed. She loved me when I decided to become a pastor. Had no guarantees that we'd ever have money. Because Jesus never called us into this for that. He called us in, into this to love people. And we've been doing it ever since. She loved me even when I've been sick and I act like a giant man baby. Like, well, I felt like, fellas, let's, let's be honest. When we get sick, like, we, we turn into babies. Like, I, I, be, I be milking it, too. I ain't gonna lie. I'm like, oh, girl, I need you, girl. She's like, man, if you don't take this Robitussin and sit down somewhere. She loved me when I was husky, husky. I wasn't just husky. I was husky, husky. When I was a lot to love, you still loved me. She loved me when I, I went eight years when I was a pescatarian. She was making two different meals. She loved me through my weird food journey. She loved me through that. She loves me when I'm petty. And I can be petty. She loves me when I'm indecisive. She loves me when I'm not romantic. She loves me when I'm just being difficult. She loves me when I don't say things the right way. 
she loves me even when my ideas are crazy. Thank you for always loving me. Thank you for always being Lord. I love you. I've never had to worry because no matter what the cost, she's been loyal to me. So I'm going to be loyal to her till the end. It's like not even a question. Like Satan, stay behind me. You can't offer me what she has already done for me. I believe she's loyal not because what she sees on me, but what she sees in me. And I believe that's why Stephen was loyal. Because he had seen something. He had seen something that he would lock his focus onto that he was willing to die for. And Stephen was loyal till the end because of what he was focused on. For Acts 7, 55 through 56 says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, look at this, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, he was being stoned at the time. They were throwing rocks at his face. Giant boulders were being thrown at his head. And he still has the wherewithal and the focus to say, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man is standing at the right hand of God. So, some of us, I found are more loyal to focusing on our problem than we are to Jesus. If some of us are in a situation where we're getting stoned, we can't see Jesus through the rocks. Some of us are so focused on dodging rocks when Jesus says, you don't have to dodge him if you focused on me. Just, fo just look at me. Some of us are focused more on the problem than the Jesus. How do I know? Because we give our problems more time and attention. Pay more attention to the doctors that gave you the bad report than the God that said, by your stripes you are healed. You give more attention to the bill you can't pay than the God that said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You pay more attention to your dating relationship than the God that sent his son to die to have a relationship with you. Like what will happen in your life if only for a moment you could ignore the stones, you could ignore the wolves, and you could focus on the God that is before you. God is asking sheep to ignore the wolves around them to focus on the God that is before them. I want somebody to hear me today because when I read this story about Stephen, I say, what kind of focus do I have to have in my life to stay loyal to a shepherd knowing I'm surrounded by wolves? What kind of focus do I have to have to see Jesus when I know I'm being attacked? And when I know that my loyalty to him provoked the attacks in the first place. I want the wolves to watch me because I want them to know that my eyes are not on them. My eyes are on the shepherd. The good shepherd that leads me to a path beside still waters. The good shepherd that knows the plans that he has for me. Plans to prosper me. Not to harm me but to give me a hope and a future. The good shepherd that came to give me life and life more abundantly. You see, Jesus does something you never see in scripture again with Stephen. Usually when we hear about Jesus, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. But when his sheep, Stephen, stop paying attention to the wolves and start paying attention to him, it gave him a reason to stand. It's the only time in scripture that we see Jesus standing 
at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because loyalty amongst the wolves gets you the attention of Jesus that pushes you forward in his kingdom. I bet that Jesus was so focused on Jesus, he didn't even feel the stones. So much so, after the verses I read, he says, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. I wonder where he got that from. He got that from a savior that went to a cross, that got nails in his hands, that got nails in his feet, got a crown of thorn on his head, and he stretched out, can't breathe, and he's dying right on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Why? Because he was not focusing on the wolves that wanted to kill him. He was focused on the kingdom that wanted to accept him. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but take your eyes off the wolves and put your eyes on Jesus. If you believe it, raise your hands, open your mouth, and worship him in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come on. Come Holy Spirit. Drive Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.